In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Hey guys, welcome to an all new episode. Um, Listen, I wasn't uh, planning on releasing two episodes today. I have a fabulous episode out right now with Lene Brody that I hope you all go listen to. It's a fantastic conversation. She was amazing. Uh, But uh, after I had a couple interviews this morning, I was alerted to the fact that Tom Sandoval, uh, the New York Times profile piece that I knew was coming, came out. And I wanted to fully break this article down for you because I believe there's so much in there worth uh, studying. (laughs) I'm just... It really is wild. And uh, so we break down the entire article uh, line by line, as as we do here on So Bad It's Good. Um, but also just overall, I just want to say once again, and I think I say it multiple times during this, is that his situation is very different than Danny Masterson, George Floyd, O.J. Simpson. You know, he is still living in a multimillion dollar home, driving a Mercedes, um, and having basic freedoms uh, and being able to, to to live this life. And I do have a lot of empathy for Tom. But like I said, he just needs to stop doing things like this until he can actually get a real firm grasp of everything that happened. And I don't know if that's going to happen for a while. And maybe it's not the best time to try to rehab your image because it seems like it is working against that and potentially going the other way when you are starting to actually get goodwill from people. And uh, I, I hope, uh, I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't know, folks. But anyways, here is a full, and I mean full recap of today's New York Times article. Uh, Okay, here it is. I don't even know where to begin. I guess I'm beginning with a plea um, to Tom Sandoval to stop whatever it is you think you're doing with your press tour. It is not working out. And you need to take some time. You are just riling people up way more. And you are not in a place that you should be speaking for yourself. You just shouldn't. And the people, man, this sucks. The PR people that that you are working with, they are not helping you. They are not looking after you in the way that you should be looked after, especially in a PR crisis coming off of Scandival. Now, of course, I'm talking about the New York Times uh, interview that Tom Sandoval did that just came out in today's New York Times. Uh, Now, I was made aware that Tom Sandoval was doing a New York Times uh, interview this Saturday, this past Saturday at the Golden Crappy Awards with Watch What Crappens. Um, Shout out to Heather Gay. Um, And I was told he was doing this. And I, I do know he did multiple photo shoots for this. And I think that's 
probably the part of this where Tom really shines is uh, is getting his picture taken and the part that he is comfortable with. But in terms of interviewing, in terms of speaking for himself, and I have said this time and time again on this show, he is just not good at this. And, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just that you shouldn't put yourself in these situations if that is not your strength. You, you know, is that you are going to do more harm than good. And now Tom, it seems like has fully gone rogue. Now, I do know the Nick Vile podcast that he did a couple of weeks ago. He went rogue on that one. I told you on Monday's episode that that was not approved by Bravo. That was a surprise for Bravo from what I heard. Um, and it makes a lot of sense when you hear the interview. Um, and just to explain how uh, interviews usually work with Bravo celebrities for accounts like mine and other accounts like mine is that these are done through Bravo PR and Bravo PR usually are on the line with you. They are on the line with you and they will kind of stop any line of questioning or have you take it out after the fact because they are trying to protect their investment and the investment is these shows and of course these characters. And they are trying to protect that to make sure that they don't say something so stupid. Now, of course, other podcasts like Caller Daddy, Nick File, Heather McDonald, there's a little bit of a looser rope on those. And essentially, when they go rogue, and I will say, when I did the Heather Gay interview a couple of years ago, that's that was done without Bravo PR. Heather was like, no, no, we can just do it. And then she ended up saying something that got picked up by press in regards to standing by Jen Shaw, regardless if she did it or not. And it, it you know, and I kind of even realized in that moment, and I think Heather did afterwards, because I gave Heather the opportunity to say, hey, do you want anything taken out? And she said, no, no, it's fine. And then that got picked up. And I think that obviously bothered her. But but that's why usually they need to go through Bravo PR. And once again, Tom did not. And Tom probably did not. And in fact, the article, which we're going to go through together as a family, uh, they did they did not. I don't think they were aware until it was too late about the New York Times interview and what it was going to entail. And the wild thing about this entire thing is that a PR representative was on site when this interview was conducted and did not stop this or ask for it to be taken out. And the the big thing that everybody's picking up right now is the Tom Sandoval quote where he says, and I quote, let me just pull this up because I was busy making memes of it earlier. Um, The reporter says, I asked Sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big. Sandoval says, I'm not a pop culture historian, really, but I witnessed the OJ Simpson thing and George Floyd and all these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way, it's a little bit the same, he says? And I think the thing that we're all thinking first is that we're just exhausted. Uh, And secondly, it's not the same at all. And I don't know how to convey. I mean, I think we all know this, so it's ridiculous for me to say it, but I will say this out loud in case somebody is not understanding that is that, yes, it is completely different. I know your pop culture moment exploded. I understand that. But comparing it to George Floyd or even OJ Simpson, where there were two deaths in the OJ Simpson case, George Floyd perished. This is also Black History Month. And for you to compare a pop culture moment that made the news to a civil rights moment is completely ridiculous. It's offensive. And it makes you look even stupider in the end. And it just shows to, I know we're not supposed to diagnose and I know he says he's not a narcissist, but the fact that he's viewing it 
as a similar thing just shows where his mind's at. Just because Scandaval made CNN does not mean it was supposed to be considered the same relevance of news that something like George Floyd represented to all of us. And, you know, I was trying to think of other pop culture moments that this could be compared to. But that's what happens when you start bringing in crime, civil rights, and comparing them to pop culture. I've even talked many times on this show how it's so weird that now uh, murder trials have blended into pop culture moments. But there is a difference. When there is a loss of life, it is nothing to do with Scandaball anymore. You know, it's ridiculous. And the fact that you even said that makes this even more ridiculous because I think that's one thing we could all agree on, that this is not life or death. And it's the the reporter even stands up for him of like, I think what he was trying to say, or I think he like even and you'll you really very minimally will reporters actually try to stand up for their subject matter in the course of their article. But this reporter does, you know, and I truly believe Tom Sandoval did not know the weight of what he was saying. But that's the problem with Tom Sandoval. A lot of the times he does not know what he was saying. I've mentioned this many times, so I'm sorry to mention it again, but Ariana, even when she was on the show and other shows, always said what made them a good team was that she was able to kind of speak fluent Tom. She knew what he was trying to say and would be able to like help him express those. And he does not have an Ariana right now to be able to kind of be able to know that he is trying to express this certain thing, but he just has no language in which to do it. And if you don't have a language in which to communicate, you shouldn't be doing articles, especially in a publication like the New York Times. That is one of the biggest newspapers in the entire world. And when you come into an interview like that, first off, to even get that opportunity is insane. But if you get that opportunity, you need to come correct. And if there is a PR crisis team behind this, which they say they are, there is that you need to do your due diligence with your client and make sure that he doesn't get himself into situations like this. But we've seen Sandoval in situations like this time and time and time again. And who's going to stand up for Sandoval now? Uh, who, who's going to get the first crack at standing up for Sandoval? Will it be Lisa Vanderpump? Oh, my dear boy, he doesn't know what he's saying. Will it be Schwartz once again of like, oh, what I think he's trying to say? Will it be Billy Lee? Will it be Kyle Chan? I mean, listen, we talked about last week's episode when he had dark thoughts, and that was a very serious topic matter, and we handled that very delicately. And I think as an audience, we did express some empathy in regards to that. And by no means do I want Tom to get back to that place, but what I do want Tom is to stop this. He needs to stop this immediately. Like, I mean, his friends need to reach out and say, I know you are trying to win back people. I know you are trying to have a I'm trying to think of why he is possibly doing this to win back his good name of Sandoval, but also to maybe to have a longer career in this and to try to like flip the public sentiment. But sometimes you just have to let the public sentiment burn out. You need to let it. And and it's wild. You know, we were already seeing it's kind of flip of like Ariana needs to get in check. Oh, Ariana's the annoying one. Really? You're going to keep saying that shit after he keeps doing this again and again and again. Let it burn out. And you are not that Nick Vile. Like I said, that that podcast kind of ruined part of the season for me because I'm like, oh, shit, he's still super angry. And then this New York Times article once again reminds us 
Like, I'm sure there'll be a little uptick in the ratings of the Vanderpump Rules episode tonight, but we go into these things angrily watching and not letting any sort of story unfold because we've seen these things and we've read these things and we've heard these podcasts. So we go in charged. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, and for Tom to bring up, you know, to racially charge things is is something that you're like, I know he didn't know what he was saying, but my God, start, start. Start learning about what you're saying. Start pausing. Start like it's not about you as a star. It's about like, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do here? And why are you getting so much in your own way? Um, so let's go through this article um, together and see what we can find. Okay, so uh, this article was written by Irina Alexander. It starts off in Valley Village. Uh, she writes, Valley Village is a Los Angeles neighborhood just across the freeway from Studio City near the southern edge of the area locally referred to with both affection and derision as the Valley. There at the end of a quiet, leafy street of ranch-style homes stands with uh, what real estate agents have come to describe as a modern farmhouse which its current occupant, the reality TV star Tom Sandoval, has outfitted. And she talks about, you know, the decoration he has done with the place. And uh, I talked about paparazzi being camped outside. But by the new year, it was just one or two guys now. And now they have mostly gone, too. So Tom Sandoval, uh, they're saying that, you know, the same paparazzi people are no longer there as they were in the heat of Scandoval. They go through Scandaball, the nickname for Scandaball's Affair. They also talked about uh, the show being nominated for an Emmy uh, and how the ratings were just insane. Uh, the beloved advertiser demographic of 18 to 49-year-olds brought in over 12.2 million viewers um, and that this was a national event. But the story has continued off screen, she reports, uh, talking about Rick. By the way, uh, I will say the reporter did not use Rachel's given name now. It calls her Raquel Levis, uh, not, not Rachel, as she wants to be called. 
Um, talks about her entering a mental health facility um, and talking about Ariana going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, Dancing with the Stars, the Duracell batteries, Bic Razors, Uber Eats, Lay's Chips, uh, promotional ads that she got, and also being on Chicago on Broadway. Now, meanwhile, Sandoval, they point out, is the most rev- uh, reviled man um, in America and the butt of a million jokes. Jennifer Lawrence made fun of his skin. Amy Schumer called him a narcissist. One of the hosts of The View called him the Donald Trump of ex-boyfriends. But I got to tell you, when, you know, listen, when you're saying some of the quotes that this article has him saying, you're going to be called those things. You're going to be compared to other people that say ridiculous things in the press. And by the way, Sandoval will always have his defenders. I just think some of these things are indefensible and he just needs to stop. Anyways, Sandoval, in a first of many quotes, says, I feel like I got more hate than Danny Masterson, and he's a convicted rapist. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm supposed to say trigger warning before, but that's, that's in the article. So he says he's got more hate than Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson is in prison, mind you. Uh, Danny Masterson does not have the opportunity to be on special forces, to be on TV right now because he is in prison. There is that trade-off. And I I wish Tom would actually think about that trade-off. Would you rather be in prison? And I don't need him to say, I'm in my own prison of my own, you know, but he's in a prison of his own making. But things like that is uh, the Danny Masterson says he's got to realize he is in prison. Anyways, the reporter says, when I arrived as a house late last year, Sandoval, who was 41, had just finished working out. He wore a black muscle shirt and a wide headband. His assistant, Miles, which this points out, his assistant, Miles, not his assistant, Anne. So that goes with my theory that Anne will quit during this season of Vanderpump Rules and now has a very successful podcast that just launched, um, which you should go check out. And uh, I'm sure she'll give more context to all of this story, the, the, the stories uh, involving Sandoval. But it says, Miles was at the dining room table sorting through Sandoval's utility bills on two laptops. Two laptops. May I suggest at this point getting three? Uh, Sandoval says he basically does anything I don't personally have to do. We were also joined by Riley. Now, Riley's a big character in this. Riley, you guys, is on Sandoval's new publicity team, which has a background in crisis PR. Uh, The reporter says, I assumed Riley would be an impediment but my fears were put to rest when she didn't flinch at the Danny Masterson comment. So this reporter knew by that Danny Masterson comment, Riley is sitting right there and Riley did not react to that comment. Riley said, can we get a new line of questioning? Can we take that out? Can we redo that? So this reporter knows all systems are go. We are getting green lights and probably made them realize they could actually push a little further than they even thought they could. So Riley is a 23-year-old PR person, and they admit they have watched Vanderpump Rules since she was in middle school and seemed as interested in Sandoval's life as I was. So this person is not only a PR crisis person, but a fan of Vanderpump Rules. And that's really dangerous, right? You know, Schwartz always says you don't want to get lost in the sauce, but also you don't want people that are working on your team that are lost in the sauce and not able to get a 360 view of the actual situation. Uh, when Sandoval described how, dis- uh, despite their gnarly national televised split, he and Maddox have continued living together, um, Riley was actually curious to hear more. Uh, Riley asks, hey, so all of her stuff is still here? Things that we should talk about before the reporter gets here. Um, Sandoval wasn't sure, the reporter says, but he thought Maddox might have finally rented a place. She took the dog and cat, and I know she wouldn't do that if she was staying somewhere temporary. 
Uh, Sandoval wanted to buy her out of the, the home, but interest rates are so crazy right now. He was considering getting a roommate to help with the mortgage. I At this point, just get Schwartz to move in. We need somebody to be with you at all times. At least he thought Maddox would finally be open to the idea. It took her a while to not be spiteful about the house, he said. A month after this reporter met, they point out that Maddox sued Sandoval in Los Angeles County to force him to sell the home and divide the proceeds. Now, the reporter says my tape recorder wasn't on yet and Sandoval wanted to make sure I was getting everything and says, do you want to like record this? So Sandoval at this time, bless his heart, does not even realize he's already said something incendiary and says, I want to make sure you are getting all of these pearls of wisdom. And you're just like, whoa. Also, they have this great uh, a bunch of photographs. They even have an editor working on an upcoming episode of Vanderpump Rules we see, but also Tom in multiple locations. I believe his bathroom at home, Schwartz and Sandy's. Uh, the reporter says, of course, I want to record this. Uh, she says, I couldn't remember interviewing a public figure as eager to speak into a recording device. Think about that. Think about that statement. He is not watching himself at all. And now remember, this is in late December. So the vile interview hadn't even been done yet. So I think he thought he was still in a place where he was able to effectively communicate for himself. So uh, she talks about reality shows like Big Brother and Survivor. Uh, she talks about the hills that never lasted as long as Vanderpump and even comparing it to the Real Housewives franchise, which is more of a weekly cage match in which bloodied fighters are retired once they're no longer useful. It's a very descriptive term for the housewives. Uh, also says Sandoval, the Midwest bred son of a firefighter and a marketing executive is not a Kardashian. What I mean is that although reality programming has been a dominant part of American culture for over two decades, we've never actually put a regular person on reality TV to live out much of their adult life and gotten to see what happens to them as a result. That's a very interesting thing as well. I mean, think about it. We always talk about the Kardashians is that they'll give us just what they want us to see. And they are so famous and they are so protected in so many ways that even when we see the batshit craziness of their own lives, it only gets doled out to us in these little bite-sized things that are highly edited and approved by each one of the Kardashians. Uh, Sandoval does not have that edit uh, approval on Vanderpump Rules, and it doesn't seem like he has that edit approval in his own life. Uh, she also points out that a uh, reminder Vanderpump rules is not about Lisa Vanderpump. It's about these bartenders and these waiters and, uh, you know, that, and, and trying to be actors, you know, they wanted to be actors. And when that dream didn't work out, they became reality TV stars instead. And she says for a while that ruined the show. It became less honest. The cast still works shifts at a restaurant, but actually they drove nice cars on about $2 million houses. Right. I say this all the time. This is, she nails it. Once the show stopped pretending that nothing had changed, it turned out that a reality show about reality stars was not any less interesting. Exactly. That's what I always beg. Show their reality. That's going to be interesting and truthful, and we'll get that. So it talks about Sandoval uh, sleeping with Levis, a former beauty queen, a couple that had been on the show since the first season, finally decided to divorce Katie and uh, Schwartz, leading the wife to realize that she may never have kids. And a woman who once bragged that her private jet lifestyle was financed by Randall Emmett, the director video film producer, left him and became a breadwinner as she fought for custody over their daughter. Now, I find it interesting that the reporter didn't name Katie Schwartz or Lala in this and just said their storylines. Uh, Alex Baskin, the executive producer of Vanderpump and also Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, talks about this. Um, or she, you know, explains how Vanderpump rules came to be. And Baskin said, when first presented with the idea, it was everything you look for in a TV show. He said, it just hit me in the face. 
Now, at the, at the same time, prestige TV was on the rise, and writers' room across Hollywood became overly preoccupied with chasing critical approval rather than audiences and revenue. And so we're talking about our prestige HBO dramas, things that are winning actual Emmys. So these scripted television shows, it kind of created this, uh, this, this big hole where you were able to put reality shows. It was able to fill in this gap because they weren't looking to be prestige television. They were looking to entertain. Um, the show's brilliant premise, commercially speaking, they said, the TV business shepherded crowds to real world businesses and vice versa. You could watch Sandoval and his friends on TV and then drop by and have them make you a pump teeny. So there was this acknowledgement that it was exciting that we were actually able to go to the locations like Disneyland. Like we were able to potentially see Peter counting cocktail waitresses tips out at the end of the night. They also talk about the show having an identity crisis in 2020 with uh, castmates leaving four members of the cast uh, because of past racist, racist incidents and resurfaced social media posts. They mentioned this in the article, and that's what's wild that they mentioned this in regards to what Tom says later in this article about George Floyd. Really, really fascinating. Um, but then Scandaball dropped into Bravo's lap. The show's producers treated it like a news story late on the evening of March 1st, 2023, when principal, fil principal filming for the 10th season was wrapped and episodes were already airing. Sandoval was performing a new single with his band while when his phone fell out of his pocket. Maddox opened it to discover. So we know this already. March 3rd. So this happened on March 1st. March 3rd, crews were pulled off another Bravo set, which was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and cameras were back up to capture that fallout. The resulting footage, which aired in May, was the Scandaball episode. And Amy Schumer says, compared it to the end of Schindler's List. Oh, Amy. Um, not one, not Sandoval or Baskin or even the executives at Bravo are quite sure why the season resonated the way it did. Maybe it was that Scandaball had awakened something in everyone who had ever cheated or been cheated on, resulting in endless memes and diatribes on social media. Thank you so much. Or that the affair landed in the news while the season was airing, turning it into an interactive murder mystery of sorts. Viewers searching for clues in earlier episodes. Yes, I say this all the time. Yes. Now it is easy to be cynical about these things. Isn't it plausible that when faced with the show's uncertain future, producers got together with the cast and cooked up a cheating scheme? Scandal, right? This is the conspiracy of it all I always talk about. Uh, Baskin told this reporter that the covert affair and continuing fallout was too elaborate to manufacture. Quote, I mean, Raquel left the state. When I asked Sandoval, he insisted that if he was going to script a fake storyline, it wouldn't have been one that destroyed his life. Important point to make. I would have never participated in that, he said. Willingly, I said. You would have never participated in that willingly since you did technically continue to film the show? And he goes, right, willingly. Hell no. So what this reporter is trying to point out is that you still participated in this. You still came back and filmed your final episode of Scandal and did the reunion. So you willingly did those things. But he's, I don't think, realizing the point she's trying to make. So at Sandoval's house, he makes a cup of tea, the reporter says. And Riley and I were listening to what the past year of his life has been like. The thing with Levis started with what sounded like a midlife crisis. He says stuff we've heard before. You know, when you just feel like you don't know what's cool anymore and you're past your prime and a little bit of a joke. And Riley nodded, the reporter said. He started to feel as though his best years were behind him. He wanted to feel alive again. He and Maddox had grown apart. He planned to tell her about the affair after the season aired. He didn't want it to play out on the show. When he shouted out the producers to stop filming him, he couldn't remember another time in the show's history that he'd done so unless he was getting in the shower or something. I just wanted to not feel watched. I wanted to take a breath. Now, Rachel, I believe in the podcast, said he actually wanted to give her information about something about the reunion. Uh, after he finished filming, he went on tour with Tom Sandoval and the most extras. He had to. His bank accounts were overdrawn and he needed the money. Uh, it talks about people coming with, uh, you know, cheater shirts, worn with a mustache, Team Ariana. 
When he returned home, there were groups of strangers with cameras at his house who seemed to be making fun of him. And that's the thing I think, Tom, you get the sense of, too, the paranoia, which I think is probably rightful in some ways, is that he didn't know if he was being made the butt of the joke, which he was because of what he did, right? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the show, Sandoval had complained about always being the one to replenish the batteries and other domestic supplies. Now, as Maddox films her own various commercials about this kind of stuff, um, it, uh, you know, it's wild for Tom to watch. In June, a friend sent him a photo of Sweet Lady Jane, the, the cake that said Sandoval is a liar, which he still has not gotten over. Uh, we saw that in the second episode of this show at Sandoval's birthday. Sandoval's friends distanced themselves. His brother asked him to delete photos of them together on Instagram. Sandoval said he was asked to stop going into Schwartz and Sandy's, a lounge that he co-owns. The show, the show's fans tanked the bar's Yelp reviews and were harassing the st- staff. I want to also make a point here. I did speak with somebody at Yelp and they put a freeze on negative reviews for Schwartz and Sandy's. They combated this. So even if they were deluged with it, they did not, uh, in the end, use those Yelp reviews to count against it. They put a freeze on Schwartz and Sandy Yelp reviews. Also, I do want to point out that um, somebody sent me, it was the Bravo Moms TikTok saying that she had texted with Greg about Shorts and Sandy's closing. And Greg said, no, we are actually having some of the best weeks of the business that it's ever had. So Schwartz and Sandy's is not doing as bad as some of them might want you to believe. Maybe they had a rough go of it, but they are actually back in business. That's how these things work too. If you let them die out, people eventually want to come back to the Disneyland aspect of it, right? They want to be served a pump teeny by somebody that is affiliated with the show, regardless good or bad. Somehow people got Sandoval's cell phone number. His phone started ringing at all hours with block numbers with women pretending to be Levis and men asking how they could find her. He started to feel as if he were in Uncut Gems, uh, the Adam Sandler movie that came out uh, three or four years ago uh, where he felt very isolated and on the run. He really got down. Friends suggested that he get on Wellbutrin. Uh, in April, he quit drinking, hence the tea he was now sipping. He has now since started drinking again. He said he did this for Levis. Uh, now he starts t- saying that Levis stopped talking to him and hasn't returned his call since June. Quote, she never even gave me any closure. It was really hard. It still messes with me. He even tried reaching out through her publicist, but got no response. This is wild. And it's like kind of what happened in like the second episode or third episode talking to Billy Lee of like, yeah, dude, I wish she had like, you know, said something for my birthday. And it's like, dude, she's in a mental health facility trying to do what she can for her own mental health. Like I, I truly am no team Rachel, but man, it is seeming like she is the one that can actually communicate. And even that's hard for her. And she's still doing a way better job. But for him to kind of like, oh, what was me? I can't get any closure for this thing that I started. I mean, you put her through this as well. 
So then he talks about doing special forces, you know, being there because he wanted to get punished. Um, when Sandoval didn't win the competition, he felt robbed. He thought producers made it look as though he got eliminated before Siwa, who voluntarily withdrew. They said she lasted longer than me, he said, but she most definitely didn't. She didn't, she didn't, dude. Jojo Siwa, no, dude. He was convinced that the producers didn't want him to win. Who did they want to win? Riley asked. Riley is the PR crisis person and she's chiming in. Who did they want to win? Um, so they continue on. An early guest was Dr. Drew of Everybody Loves Tom's podcast, who dug into Sandoval's childhood trauma and also declared, Dr. Drew declared that he was not a narcissist, at least as far as the DSM-5 says. The actor Jerry O'Connell came on his podcast and apologized for having t-shirts made that said Team Ariana. That was very big of Jerry, and I don't think he needed to do that apology. Uh, I asked Sandoval, this is the quote. I asked Sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big. Quote, I'm not a pop culture historian, really. The, 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 by the way, this is where the sentence should have ended for Tom. But he continues, but I witnessed the OJ Simpson thing and George Floyd and all these big things, which is really weird to compare this to, I think. But do you think in a weird way, it's a little bit the same? Now, this is fascinating. The reporter says, I looked over at Riley, who was typing furiously on her phone. I think I knew what he meant. He was trying to express the oddity of becoming the symbolic center of a nationwide discussion and a major news story. What he communicated instead was something more honest, which is just how much the experience had made him lose perspective. Now, this, you don't usually get this paragraph from reporters where they actually kind of try to make the people reading at home go, hey, guys, hey, this is what I think was going on. This is what I see. But the thing is, it just shows how messed up his way of thinking is. And may I say that maybe he lost perspective a long time ago before Sandoval. But to get in your head just because you saw yourself on national news stations to compare yourself to these things is just wildly wrong and hurtful to so many people. To bring these things up, to bring George Floyd's name up in this context is wildly abusive of this interview. It, it just is. And the fact over, she looks over at her P, the PR person and the PR person just typing furiously on her phone, not stopping this. He says, I did what I did because I was in an unhappy place in my life. I got caught up in my emotions and fully fell in love. Like for real, he sighed and drained his teacup. Then he got up, put on some upbeat music and went upstairs to get ready for a night out. I would love it. If it was like the silence of the lambs music that, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the trans woman and, you know, tucking the penis is like, I, I fucked me. Like, I mean, the, what, what is going on? What is the music that is being played? Anyways. Tom goes upstairs to change and the PR person says to the reporter, sometimes he says too much, Riley said. And the following day forgets what he says. Then she went upstairs to have a quick word with him. So obviously potentially starting to realize what he said for your PR person to like try to backpedal by saying sometimes he says too much and then he forgets. I mean, this is a wild statement to make. And by the way, if you are this PR person, if you are worried about your client doing this, I'm not in PR but I do have to wonder what what is potentially the goal here if you are representing a client that does not know what he says and forgets the next day what he did say. That is not good. And there needs to be more media training involved if you are on a PR crisis tour. If you are trying to make things better, this is definitely not doing it, right? You, you know, that's the goal of this is to make sure that every sentence is a positive one to make sure you are empathetic without placing the blame on others to actually share your true feelings. But it is like, and I, and I don't, uh, I don't want to take away from Tom's experience of this whole thing, which obviously would make anybody completely paranoid and isolated. 
That's very true. But those are his own experiences he's feeling. And he needs to talk more about that feeling and not, oh, it's because of this and this and this. Just talk about that feeling. Anyways, it gets fascinating. The next day, I was supposed to attend the taping of one of Sandoval's confessional interviews for Vanderpump Rules. I was about to get in my car when I received a text from his publicist, Riley's boss. Riley's boss. The boss wasn't even there. Riley was the boss's like uh, PR flack. And the boss says he'd rather you don't attend today at Red. He's not feeling the best. The next morning, I got a call from Alex Baskin, the producer of Vanderpump Rules. And the day after that, a Bravo publicist rang me late on a Friday. Some of what Sandoval had said had gotten back to Bravo and everyone was concerned. What was it that he said about O.J. Simpson and George Floyd exactly? Maybe Sandoval wasn't ready for this. The Bravo publicist asked if I really needed to see Sandoval again. Could the network facilitate an interview with one of the show's other stars? They were literally like, can we get you DJ James Kennedy? Can we get you somebody else? Uh, We don't want this anymore. Realizing that this is bad. They're not dumb. Bravo said it would get back to me about the next steps. While I waited, I thought more about Sandoval. When you're lost, sometimes it's helpful to go back to the beginning. Sandoval arrived in Los Angeles in 2004 with the hopes of becoming an actor when he was growing up in St. Louis. It was all he wanted to be. I loved to pretend, he told me and Riley. I loved it more than sports. At 15, he started modeling. He briefly lived in Miami, the swampy hub of male modeling. Remember, we got the Jax Taylor stuff and Jax's special friend out there. He's been photographed by Bruce Weber for an infamous Amber Crummy and Fitch campaign. In Los Angeles, he worked as a pool boy at the Mondrian Hotel, which also explains why Tom always still loves to party at the Mondrian Hotel. You've seen it multiple times on the show. As a cater waiter while booking campaigns for Rock and Republic, Ed Hardy and Von Dutch, very, those brands, wow, very Tom Sandoval. They're early aughts brands that are apparently coming back now. And then they, the reporter puts in, oh, Von Dutch, I love that brand, Riley said. Riley's only 23 years old. Um, Sandoval says, I had a versatile look because I do this like daddy doesn't love me emo look and I could do a more slick back look. Oh, Tom, I could do this like daddy doesn't love me emo look and I could do a more slick back look. That's called that's called versatile. That's called versatility. It's called a triple threat, but it's double. It's wild. He signed up for Vanderpump Rules, um, you know, and he thought people should see what it's like to be an L.A. actor, a model actor, like driving down the 405, changing clothes, comp cards and headshots played all over my back seat. When the show became known and said for his girlfriend sleeping with his friend Jax Taylor, Sandoval didn't mind. When I punched Jax, he said that sent it into the stratosphere. So Tom knows his way around scandal. He's just not used to being the one that all the heat is on. Um, that's why, by the way, this New York Times article should have actually asked Jax Taylor to participate in this. Yeah, bravo. You want to give me somebody else? Give me Jax Taylor. We'll promote the Valley while we're at it. Riley, by the way, do you think Jax Taylor is bummed that Tom Sandoval beat him to comparing himself to OJ Simpson? My God. Anyways, Riley remembered watching that episode with her middle school friends. We were like, this show is epic. So Riley, the PR person, is now uh, hearkening back to her days loving the show. And Sandoval replies and goes, dude, it was. <laughs> and then Riley says, it was so cool. So we have, we were like, this show is epic. The PR person said, dude, it was, Sandoval says. And then Riley says, it was so cool. So Sandoval is sitting there going, oh, this is good. And by the way, this is kind of what they should have been talking about, about the evolution of where, how we got to where we are today. Anyways. A decade later, um, you know, those early seasons have morphed into unique Los Angeles species. He's late to everything. His publicist never seems to be able to reach him. And his face that has that taut sheen that celebrities get from anti-aging protocols. He talks about his life not in years, but in seasons and episodes. That's when it, when you're doing a reality show for over 10 seasons. Yeah, it messes with your head, I would imagine. Imagine that. Imagine I always say like 
you know, start thinking about our own lives of like, yeah, I had a bad season last year. I'm hoping this season is better. Sometimes he pauses mid-sentence, the reporter says, and stares into the middle distance like a doll whose wind-up key has jammed until whatever ambulance, helicopter, or other sound-interfering entity has passed, and then he continues as if nothing happened, even when there are no mics or cameras on him. That's how much this guy's brain is in reality TV, is he's holding for, like, noise outside so it doesn't affect the sound. But also, what? That's a great sentence, this reporter. I really like the way this reporter writes. Anyways, the ceiling lights in his home are taped over with sheets of paper to diffuse light and make it optimal for filming. He used to remove them during the offseason, but now he doesn't bother. We leave them up there because otherwise they'll just do it again, he said. Oh, I'm reminded of Nicole Kidman's, when we come to this place, we come for magic. Sandoval can't always tell if he's living for himself or the show or both. Sometimes he really has to talk to his best friend and co-star Tom Schwartz, but he knows he shouldn't buy a text, so he will call producers and ask how quickly they could have cameras on him to film it. He feels terrible when he has to bring up something that he knows could be damaging to his castmates, but that is part of the job. The worst thing Sandoval says you can hear while filming is the dreaded, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? That's when you know you're about to be called out for something. Baskin calls this, quote, hyper-reality. In real life, you might go to a dinner party and then go home and gossip about your friends on a reality show. You're encouraged to say these things in the moment. Sandoval is so well-trained at narrating his innermost thoughts out loud that he sometimes has to remind himself not to do it outside of filming. Quote, you lose track of what a normal conversation would be like with people that aren't on the show. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? You lose track of what normal conversations would be like when people that with people that aren't on the show. But that's so true. That's what we talk about. That's hyper-reality, as Alex Baskin says. Tom said this on an interview that he did on this show, was that with reality shows, in real life, you run away from conflict, but in real, in reality shows, you are encouraged to run directly towards it. And, uh, but I also want to point out it works the shoes on both feet, right? Sandoval also used last season to paint a narrative that Schwartz was potentially going to hook up with Rachel and said the whole time he was having a relationship with Rachel, right? He says that despite all of this, he still feels honored to be on Vanderpump. The scandal has made the show so big, it's kind of cool and crazy, he says, even though it's negative and at my expense. But that's the thing, you know, is that, you know, like I said, the shoe is on the other foot and it's a really big shoe, but it's not a George Floyd size shoe. And I hope somebody explains to him the difference in that. Um, they talk about Screen Actors Guild. They're not protected by but for unscripted work. Uh, when Sandoval joined Vanderpump, each cast member made ten thousand for the entire first season. Today, the original cast makes closer to thirty five thousand dollars per episode. As the genre has grown, participants can make almost as much from other revenue streams like books, podcasts, and brand partnerships, some of which can pay upwards of $250,000. Because of this, what's good for Vanderpump is generally good for Sandoval, monetarily speaking, even if it can also make his life more difficult. Now, opportunities often grow directly out of plot lines. When Sandoval and Maddox were bartenders in love, they had the fancy AF cocktails book and were hired to mix drinks and sponsored videos for brands like Alka-Seltzer. Since their breakup, their fates have diverged. She's the betrayed woman courageously rebuilding her life, which, by the way, that's what it is in reality, while he's the villain endlessly atoning for his sins. In December, Maddox released a new book, Single AF Cocktails, and scheduled events with Live Nation to promote it. Playing all of this up riles the fans and keeps the machine turning, right? This is all fed on our hate, our clicks, our views, our downloads, all of that stuff. And it's what I always talked about reality shows being is pro wrestling. This reporter brings that up. You know, when the face and the heel talk smack to each other to drive crowds wild, it feels like that, except that I'm pretty sure that Sandoval is not pretending. Pro wrestling has always been staged and the audience knew it, but didn't care. But Vanderpump is sort of the opposite. While fans on some level 
expect reality TV to be fake and think of Sandoval as just another TV character. It's all very real to him, leaving him trapped inside these storylines indefinitely. I mean, this is somebody could write a thesis about this. Tom Sandoval is Tom Sandoval in Tom Sandoval's life. Alex Baskin told me adding someone might say he's putting on a performer's performance, but he is the performance. His entire existence becomes what's processing becomes about processing and talking about what happened. But at the same time, he's doing all of this processing, but he isn't seeming to process it in a correct way. And that's why I think like long-term therapy, potentially something like Rachel did might actually really help him because therapy isn't doing talking heads. That's not going to clear it up. Just talking about it and getting angrier about it without having some kind of perspective. I mean, right now he's comparing it to George Floyd. Like imagine if this keeps going, what's going to happen in a couple months. And that's what sucks about this. And our reaction to this is that it's going to just add fuel to Tom Sandoval's anger. He's not going to stop potentially and realize what he himself did. Instead, blame it on us, our anger, our memes, our reactions, our podcast, instead of going, you know what? I totally get it. What the fuck am I doing? I need to slow down. Appearing on Special Forces was part of Sandoval's attempt at a redemption narrative, it says. When we drove to West Hollywood that night, his Mercedes wound its way through Laurel Canyon and emerged on Sunset Boulevard, not far from the huge billboard that showed him commando crawling across a rope suspended high above the ground. These are the perverse economics perverse economics of being a reality TV star. If it weren't for Scandaball, Sandoval said, I could have probably gotten on that show, but I wouldn't have been on the billboards. Exactly, Tom. And I think it's also, I think this article points out, but not directly, is that he's also excited to be on those billboards. He's also, you know, but he's also angry that it potentially portrays Jojo Siwa as leaving first before him. Contestants on Special Forces reportedly paid several hundred thousand dollars, but for the most part, Sandoval hasn't been able to capitalize on Scandoval as much as he would like. There are minimal brands that want to be associated with someone who's thought of as a cheater, Sandoval's manager, Ryan Revel, told me. This winter, this is fascinating, you guys. This winter, Sandoval was hoping to do a residency at Chippendales in Las Vegas, but talk stalled. Sandoval was disappointed. He says, I'm in really good shape right now. It's frustrating because, you know, everybody cashed in. Everybody won on this. The cast, the execs, the network, everybody made so much money. But I try to put on myself to make the best opportunity out of it that I can. That's the attitude you got to have. You got to stop saying that other shit about everybody else making out, even if that's the case, because you did it. That's what happens when you're the person that did it. But you're also doing okay. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Chippendales thing. Chippendales, I beg you, please let this happen. Oh my god, I can't believe that this was even up for discussion at any point. And I can't believe that it was Chippendales that didn't move further with it. I thought Sandoval's team would have shut this down. We pull up to Tom Tom, a bar and restaurant that Sandoval has invested in and part of the Vanderpump universe, uh, along with Sir Schwartz and Sandy's Jackson studio city and something about her, the forthcoming sandwich shop. Um, I stopped by Sir in August. The food was terrible, but there was a line of people at the door. The reporter says the food was terrible. That's hysterical. At TomTom, Sandoval gave me the insider's tour. That's where I used to cheat with Rachel. No, he says, there's the men's room, women's room. This table's really cool, but you got to watch your new knees. He took me out back by the trash cans where he says Maddox ripped his chain and split his lip 
the last night she, the night she found out about the affair. Oh, I didn't know the rip the chain and split his lip. She beat my ass. He said, she beat my ass. He said through a representative Maddox declined to comment on this incident. She has denied tearing his necklace off in the past with the show. Now in production, the place was quiet except for a couple drinking wine in the corner. Sorry to bother you. She said, but I just wanted to say this place is awesome. Somebody came up to Tom. We sat at the table and we're soon joined by Kyle Chan, a jeweler who appears on the show and is one of the few people who didn't drop Sandoval as a friend. Oh my God. I wonder if Billy Lee tried to get into this. Kyle Chan, though, when I asked what it was like being around him last year, Chan compared it to watching Game of Thrones, in which a character named Theon Greyjoy becomes psychologically broken after being tortured and castrated. Reek? You're comparing him to Reek? Sandoval likes to say that as a reality star, he has to live through each event in his life three times. First, when he's living it. Second, when he's taping confessional months later. And third, when it airs and he has to answer to the fans. That's true. In the real world, he would be able to heal and move on, but that's difficult to do reality show time. After season 11 airs, Chan said, you have to relive it one more time and then you'll be free. Chan is right, but also I think there's another option here is to take a season off, to really just live your own life one time. A couple of weeks before I met with Sandoval, I visited the offices of Evolution Media, um, which you know does Real Houses of Orange County, botched as basket and showed me around. Random objects caught my eye. A can, of, a can of gasoline, bottles of Tums and sunblock, a blown up diagram of the female reproductive system atop a file cabinet and a few moving label boxes, a few moving boxes labeled bitch. The office used to be bustling, but the market has changed. The people are working more re remotely. Now we just don't need the space. Let me let me be there, Alex. Let me record out of there. Anyways, they talk about the writer strike. Over the years, various networks executives have consistently consistently asked Baskin for their own version of Vanderpump. Baskin would love to find it, but it doesn't necessarily exist. Others have tried it. There was Ease What's Happened, What Happens at the Abbey, about the bar a few doors down, MTV's Lindsay Lowen's Beach Club about Mykonos. Oh my God, remember that? And this spring, Hulu, Hulu will premiere Vanderpump Villa, yet another attempt to mimic the formula, and Bravo will introduce The Valley, a Vanderpump spinoff with some of the cast members that departed in 2020. I've seen some of Vanderpump Villa. It's, it's pretty good. Baskin told me that in some ways he wished Scannaval never happened. The national attention made it much harder to film the show, right? It's, it's, it's getting in the way. Production always had a few onlookers, but during season 11, paparazzi and fans were everywhere while the show was in filming in Lake Tahoe, which we're going to see tonight. At Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant, Wolf by Vanderpump, Wolf. It used to be the real story was not that there are people watching the TV show, but part of Tom Sandoval's real experience in life right now is that he's not just facing an ex-girlfriend or a friend group upset with him. He's facing the entire nation. As filming for the new season got underway, Bravo had a problem. The cast had turned on Sandoval. Maddox refused to interact with him in July. Baskin and the network brought the cast into Evolution's offices for what he called a come-to-Jesus moment. But he was no longer talking to 20-something waiters. We can still sque squeeze a great season out of it, he said. But going forward, I don't know. This is really fascinating from Alex Baskin, and it's true. It's what we are, we're all saying. It's such a darkness over this all. And in reality, would any of these people hang out with each other? Why would Ariana ever, why would you ever in your real life after this happened to you come back to this man, even as a friend on a TV show? Uh, oh, she finally mentioned that Raquel went back to her birth name as uh, Rachel and appearing on Bethany Frankel's podcast. Uh, it talks about you know, the reality reckoning, uh, making money off of this. She invited others to join her and teamed up with two prominent attorneys, Mark Garagos and Brian Friedman. No actual lawsuits have been filed. We're talking about Bethany's reality reckoning. Bethany must be thrilled she's in this. Part of Frankel's arsenal was a three-part interview with Levis, described how she felt exploded by Sandoval and Bravo for ratings without seeing a single penny. Baskin told me that Levis was paid $19,000 per episode for 18 episodes, and that... News of the affair came out after the season wrapped. Are we supposed to give her retroactive payment for having a clandestine affair for eight months? What do you guys think? I 
That's what business is about, you guys. Just sign a contract. Frankel would, Frankel would basically argue, yes, as SAG members went on strike in July, joining the riders. So she's talking about residuals. Part of the appeal of reality TV is that it's relatively cheap to make, as low as $250,000 per episode versus $2 million for scripted TV. The draw for our party, all parties involved, is that its stars are often plucked from relative obscurity. It's probably good for the business to have some protections. Revel, Sandoval's manager, told me, will it happen? I don't know, but no one is walking off set. Uh, so Revel, Sandoval's manager, is saying, no, we're, we're committed to filming. So it ends with, I didn't see Sandoval for about two weeks. Then on a Monday in December, I drove to a soundstage in Burbank where he was taping his next confessional interview for the show. Riley wasn't there this time. Instead, we were joined by a Bravo publicist, Erica Forstadt, a senior NBC Universal executive. He is now protected. My clue that this wasn't typical was when Fonset, uh, Forstadt introduced herself to Sandoval. You once made me a wonderful mocktail at Schwartz and Sandy, she said. Sandoval was in a small dressing room applying makeup. In front of him were three caffeinated beverages, a Red Bull, an iced coffee, and a Dr. Pepper. He sipped each intermittently. Sandoval said he was feeling depressed. He said the same thing last time I saw him. When I asked if the depression was show-related, he said somewhat show-related, just life, business stuff, it's hard. Sandoval began to perform loud vocal exercises. He applied pomade to his hair, combing it back with his fingers, and changed into a light blue women's suit from Zara, which he said he preferred to the store's menswear. If you have the body, why not do it? You know, that's what I say. The suit looked good, but the sleeves barely reached his wrists. As as he emerged from the dressing room, there was something about the suit's feminine cut combined with Sandoval's physique and slightly hunched posture that reminded me of Heath Ledger's Joker in the scene of the hospital where he wears the nurse uniform. Oh, my God. It's hard to tell how Sandoval feels about filming the show. Sometimes he's sounded down about it. Quote, it had ha- it, it has its fun moments, but for the most part, it sucks. I've been buzzed through most of it. Ooh. Other times he told me that it would he would do it for as long as he possibly could. There was a point last year when he considered quitting, but he was glad he didn't. He wasn't all at MBS of Levis, who walked away from the cameras, cameras and started Rachel Goes Rogue. So far, the primary theme has been Scandoval. Uh, Sandoval figured she would be back in a season or two. What else is she going to do, he says. I mean, that's interesting. The evolution set where confessionals are taped is designed to look like another room at Sir. There are deep purple count. You know, we've seen these things. The showrunner began by asking Sandoval about a tasting led by a water sommelier that everyone attended in August. We saw clips of this, people taking pictures. Had Sandoval ever heard of a water tasting? I, I have never even remotely heard of a water tasting before in my life, Sandoval said. I've never heard of or been to a water tasting, but here we are. Sandoval hoped his luck would turn this season. It's probably why he agreed to speak with me in the first place. When I last talked to him, he was feeling optimistic. He's been meditating. He was about to go back on tour with his band. Plus, he was single now, which could be a whole new storyline for him on the show. He says, it's the first time I've ever been single as a celebrity. I'm not saying I'm a favorite celebrity, but still just having some notoriety and being single. It's a cool muscle to flex. Oh, man. Your mind is just not in the right. Oh, Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Though he had come to Los Angeles to be an actor, he was proud of what he became instead. Did he become the next Brad Pitt? No, but he didn't want to be that anymore anyway. Turned out reality TV is where the real stakes are. Actors were just pretending to play in roles. I had no respect for reality TV before, and now I don't have very much respect for actors. I'm like, y'all try, you, y'all try doing this. Oh. Of course, he knew it wasn't going to last forever, but if he kept at and re- rehabilitated his image, there could be life beyond his first show. There were brand deals to be had, as well as reality spinoffs and competition shows. Though if he was going to do another reality series, he would like it to be something more feel-good. Our show can be toxic to film. No shit, he said, and very stressful. Despite this, he was as committed to ever uh, committed to it as ever and hoped it would continue for a while. As long as people are interested, uh, he told me, and we're being honest in our feels. 
That's what he was doing now, sitting in front of the camera in a powder blue suit and sunless tanner being honest in his feels. That's brutal line. I watched him on a monitor as he peered into the lens with one eyebrow slightly raised. Then the camera rolled and his face lit up with a big, genuine smile. That is the New York Times article. Um, wow. What? I mean, really, really well done piece, but very sad overall. Uh, shout out to the writer, Irina Alexander. Again, uh, really, uh, really good work. Uh, but what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments. I think this is wild. And I, you know, if he, you know, he says these angering statements, but you almost sometimes just got to feel for the guy that he's just going to get in his own way so much, but he's got to start taking some personal responsibility and stop placing blame everywhere else. And, and I just stop, just stop. You need to give it over to Bravo while you're on this show. You're ruining potentially the rest of the season by doing these types of interviews. And it's not having the rehab image thing that you're going for. It's just not like, it's just not, you need to take time and really work on these things because these are big opportunities to get New York times only comes around every once in a blue moon. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, but yeah. Okay. You guys special episode of so bad. It's good. I hope this was helpful. I'll talk to you very soon. Bye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.